Being a stylist has never been more rewarding, but it's also never been so complex. As hairstylists, we often forget that we are working in a multi-billion dollar industry. The beauty industry is growing faster than ever, and there's so much left on the table because stylists aren't taking the time to understand business. I'm Melissa, your host. I'm a million-dollar salon owner, a six-figure stylist, and founder and CEO of Sierra and Sage Extensions. And while all of that may sound impressive, I'm just a hairstylist, just like you. And I'm here to help you understand how to achieve the same by bringing business to beauty. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Bringing Business to Beauty. Uh, First, I want to apologize for the unexpected short break in this season. Um, We have just been so busy growing, which is awesome. But now that I've taken a moment to kind of catch my breath, I definitely want to finish up my salon ownership series. So I'm back as promised, a little late, but I guess better late than never, right? All right, so let's jump right into it. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about ways that you can structure your salon. Um, This is totally a controversial topic, and it's a topic that I really try to stay neutral in, but I do have very strong beliefs in this area, um, and sometimes that kind of overpowers my desire to stay neutral. Um, So I apologize in advance if I come across one-sided. Um, but we're going to go ahead and jump right into the three different ways that you can structure your salon. Okay, so there are obviously three ways that you can structure your salon. Option one is to open a booth rent salon. Option two is to open a commission-based salon. And option three is to open an hourly or salary salon. Um, Of course, there is technically a fourth option, um, a hybrid salon where you would do a combination of pay structures. Um, I do want to start off by saying that I'm a very proud commission salon owner, Um, but I also want to share that I wasn't always that way. Um, In fact, I was very anti-commission at one point in my career. So let me take you down memory lane. Um, At the very beginning of my career, I decided to go straight into booth rental. Um, I was not successful at it at all. Um, I did rent a booth, I think, two days a week while I had another full-time job. Um, Ultimately, I ended up giving up my space in the salon because it was costing me money rather than making me money. From there, I gave up on hair for a little while entirely. And then I came back um, into hair and ended up working commission. I worked commission for about six months. Um, I was lucky enough to be in a very busy salon at the time. Um, And the salon owner actually forced me to go rental. Um, I was doing 1099. Um, She said it was too much paperwork for her. Um, she, you know, didn't want to supply my color to me anymore. And so she forced me to go rental, um, which I was absolutely terrified of. Um, thankfully it went really well. I started making, you know, more money than I really ever had in my life up to that point. Um, but I was very uneducated on the tax portion of things. And so when tax time came around, um, in short, I was in big trouble Um, I actually still owe the IRS from my booth rental days. Um, I'm working on paying that down. Um, But this is just kind of one of the things that I really just was uneducated on and I didn't know. Um, And in my opinion, it's one of the big negatives about booth rental. Um, My philosophy is if you're working booth rental, um, it's natural to think that you're making more money. But in reality, I think a lot of times you're just touching more money. 
So ultimately, that experience is what made me anti-commission um, for a good chunk of my career. I had gone from working 1099 commission um, into working rental, and I was touching so much more money that I immediately was turned off by commission and felt like, oh, the owner is taking half of my pay, and it's not fair because I'm doing half of the work. Um I later obviously changed my mind once I got to the other side of things and saw how much money it was costing the salon owner um, to you know, keep things going with me working commission. She still had to pay rent on the building. She still had to pay utilities. She had to pay taxes. She had to pay for my product, uh, credit card processing fees. Um, she had ordered me business cards at one point. Um, so all of those things were expenses, um, and she was paying for those things in part with the 50% of my uh, services that she was taking. So it's really essentially the same thing as me paying rent and buying all of my own product. It's just filtered through her. And so anyway, that's kind of beside the point I'm getting off topic here, but um, that's just a little brief history lesson, if you will, on um, you know how I was anti-commission at one point um, and how that got me to where I am today. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about option one, which was booth rental. Um, booth rental can be an excellent option for a salon owner. Um, simply put, you are renting out space to stylists. Um, this means that you are not responsible for their income. You are not responsible for their taxes or their product. Um, and you're not really responsible for their growth. Um, you can absolutely still be a supportive salon owner and help to nurture their growth and their goals. Um, in fact, I would highly recommend that. Um, however, it's actually pretty uncommon to have a super supportive uh, rental salon owner who really helps to you know, set your goals and helps you achieve your goals um, and even helps to market you heavily. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions of being a booth rental salon owner is thinking that it's easier. Um, I will be honest, there are a lot of things that you don't have to do that someone like me who owns a commission salon has to do, um, such as creating budgets for things like marketing, maintenance, education, payroll, um, taxes, uh, things like that. Um, but you're still going to have to work and you're still going to have expectations from your hairstylists that are working with you. Um, if you are going to be a rental salon who just collects rent and does nothing else, you're probably going to have pretty high turnover rates and you're probably not going to do a whole lot of growing. Um, and if that's okay with you, I guess that's okay with me too. Okay, so moving on to option two, which is commission. <clears throat> I'm going to start this conversation off um, by probably pissing off a lot of people. Um, and that's okay. I don't really care. I feel very strongly about what I'm about to say. Um, and if you are pissed off, it's probably because the truth hurts. If you are running a commission salon and you are putting your staff on 1099, you are doing it wrong. You can say it's okay in your state. You can say there's a loophole, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all. The bottom line is if you own a commission salon and you are not paying employer taxes with your staff on W-2, you are doing it simply to line your own pockets and to avoid the extra work for yourself. And since you're a selfish person, I'm going to make it about you and say that in the end, you are doing yourself a major disservice because your stylists are going to leave your salon because you're taking away a major benefit of them being commissioned. 
And if you're paying higher commission because they supply their own product, they're essentially already renting. They will figure that out very quickly and they will move on. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a horror story about someone I know who ran a commission salon and paid their stylist by $10.99. She was told that it was fine to do so. She was told that if she allowed them to supply their own product and make their own schedule, then they technically were not employees. But one day she was turned into the labor board by one of her stylists and the information that she was given originally was not true. Um, and she was actually fined thousands of dollars and had to pay back taxes for all of her current and previous stylists who were 1099. Um, I'm sure this is obvious, but she lost her salon. She lost her home and it freaking ruined her. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. I always love to share that story because so many people come back with the, oh, I talked to a lawyer, or, oh, I called the IRS myself, or oh, there's a loophole, or that's legal in my state. Um, well, regardless of what you think you know, things change. Um, and quite frankly, with a lot of these things, I'm sure you've dealt with the IRS before, it depends on who you talk to. One person tells you one thing, you call back five minutes later, and it's a completely different story. These things happen all the time. Um, ultimately, Regardless of how you feel, I want to go into why I love being an actual commission salon with my employees on W-2. So with doing this, um, is it more work for me? Absolutely. Um, I'm responsible for over 30 people's livelihoods. That's stressful as hell. Um, I do have employees who make more money than me. Does that suck? Sometimes, yeah, it does. Um, other times, I'm damn proud of it. Uh, ultimately, why I choose commission is because I was sick and tired of people looking down on me and my career choice. I was tired of my family telling me that I should get a real job with benefits and paid time off and retirement. I was sick of strangers assuming that I couldn't afford this or that because I'm just a hairstylist. I didn't want to just own a salon. I didn't want to own just a business. I wanted to own a company. And I'm proud to say that today I do own a company with growth opportunities that just so happens to be a salon. My employees get promotions and raises. They get health benefits, dental, life insurance, disability. They get paid time off. Uh, many of them earn six figures on a W-2. They get everything else that a businessman gets, and they get it all because they too are business professionals. Um, all of these things are only possible when you're running your commission salon the right way with actual W-2 employees. It is a lot of work, and it was definitely an uphill battle to get here, but I have to say I am proud as hell to provide something so unfamiliar in an industry that is so disrespected by people who think they are smarter, more professional, and more deserving than a licensed cosmetologist. That is why I am so passionate about this topic and why I would choose to run a commission salon over and over and over again, no matter how much work it is for me. I am such a huge advocate for commission salons. I think that if we could pull our heads out of our asses, we could completely reimagine and redirect the beauty industry. We just need to change our mindset. Commission is not a bad thing, especially when it's done right. I'm going to move on, otherwise this entire episode is going to be about commission, uh, which was not the purpose today. So we're going to talk about the last option, which is an hourly or salary structure. Um, I have done hourly in the past in our spa department. Um, I'm really not a fan. Um, I think that the structure works really well in a corporate-owned like chain salon, 
Um, ultimately, employees may desire it because um, they'll have a steady income, but in the long run, they just don't make enough money to do really well. And most of them end up moving on to other industries um, or to other salons that, that pay better like commission or rent. Um, to bring it back to doing commission the right way, I know I said I was going to move on, but if your employees are on W-2, you are required to pay them minimum wage for every hour they work. Um, so it's essentially the same as an hourly wage um, or an hourly position, but it gives your staff uh, more income potential in the long run. Um, in conclusion, there are several ways that you can structure your salon. At the end of the day, you should always do your research, do what's best for your staff and your employees. If there is one thing that I have learned as a salon owner, it's really not about you or what's best for you. Um, as a business owner, with people working under you, you have a responsibility to them. So if you're looking to be the star of the show, salon ownership may not be a good option for you. And because this is going to be the final episode in this series, I want to let you know that salon ownership is very rewarding and it's an important job, but it is the hardest thing you will ever do. After the fun part of picking a location, remodeling a location, and decorating your salon, the real shit kicks in and it's tough. You will work harder than you ever have. You'll cry more than you ever have. And if you're doing it right, you will feel like you're doing so much for others and will very rarely hear a thank you. Um, you've got to understand that and be okay with that or you're going to lose your shit and it won't be pretty. Um, lastly, if you choose to go into salon ownership, try your hardest not to complain about it in front of your team or on social media. There's nothing more frustrating as a stylist than hearing your owner complain about how hard their life is and how much owning the salon sucks. That's a quick way to lose your staff or at the very least lose the respect of your staff. Um, I think this is a great place to end this episode and this season. We're going to be rolling out season two at the end of summer. Um, I just want to thank you so much for listening and following along. Uh, we hope to see you back for season two, where we will be talking more about the beauty industry and bringing on some amazing guests as well. Um, I hope you have a great summer, an excellent 4th of July, and thank you for listening to Bringing Business to Beauty. We'll be back soon.